When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. If you want to sign up for ad-free episodes, exclusive early access to episodes, as well as bonus episodes, become a paid member at DecodingTV.com. We really appreciate everyone there who's making podcasts like Decoding TV and Acasa Kings possible. How long have we been clear of it? Nearly a mile. I see. Do you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV. I am David Jen. And I'm Don Marshall. Welcome to the podcast. On this week's episode of the show, we're going to be recapping and reviewing Season 1, Episode 7 of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, entitled The Eye. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok at Decoding TV. Before we get into today's episode, there are a couple of big things we want to discuss. I mean, first of all, I want to acknowledge that uh, last week's episode of the podcast was produced under duress um, (laughs) in that uh, Don had barely had a chance to get any sleep at all. Uh, and I think you had to leave for a trip last week, right? And I then did. I did. As soon as as soon as we stopped recording, literally was, as soon as we wrapped uh, the, the podcast, Don, Don like left on a trip, and so he's like, uh, and also we experienced multiple catastrophic <laughs> recording failures as well. And so uh, if we sound a little bit hurried or a little bit more frazzled than usual, uh, that's why. But I, I, my respect for Don went up so much last week because he was such a trooper and powered through it. So so grateful to Don for uh, for rolling with punches last week. Um, I'm happy to do it. Uh, want to want to start that off with some praise, Don, because I'm immediately going to segue into condemnation for Don Marshall. Fair, because Fair. here's the thing: on this podcast, over the course of the last seven eight weeks, we've we've had a lovely time here talking about the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, theorizing about what's going to happen with each character and each plotline, and so on. And Don has been so careful, so good about preventing any spoilers from getting out into the open and we always try to like warn you if there's going to be a a possible spoiler but here's a time where don i wish you had shared with me some of your possibly spoiler (laughs) theories because over the course of the last few weeks don has been saying i don't know if halbrand is who he says he is i don't know who i don't maybe this halbrand guy is not on the up and up is what Don's been saying, right? Yeah. And I mm-hmm. and at and every step of the way, I've been like, I don't know, Don. I think he might be. Uh, he might be the king who was promised. You know, maybe he is actually a good guy. Well, this past week, Don, I have finally cottoned on to a theory that apparently the entire internet has been discussing, <laughs> which is <laughs> that Halbra and okay. So before I say what it is, I, I have to say this is possibly a spoiler, but. Everyone's talking about it, and we have no confirmation of this. It's just the preponderance of 
Circumstantial evidence points to what I'm about to say being true. Okay. The preponderance of circumstantial evidence. <laughs> My God, that is legalese if I've ever heard it. Carry Here it on. Is. Here it is. <laughs> Adam writes into decodingtv at gmail.com. Uh, Adam writes, I was surprised to hear you both pulling away from the theory that Halbrand is Sauron on your last episode, when the theory feels strengthened to me by each successive episode. Here's a quick summary so far. Uh, and he has a, a numbered list here. Number one, mm-hmm. Halbrand's second line in the show is looks can be deceiving. Very suspicious for someone who is not Sauron the Deceiver. <laughs> in contrast with the other unwilling King Aragorn, Halbrand has a streak of cruelty from pushing off his companions on the driftwood to getting eaten by the, uh, to get eaten by the worm to brutally beating up and breaking the bones of the Numenorians in the street fight even after they are done with him and walking away. Three, when adrift at sea, Galadriel calls attention to his medallion, of which Halbrand mentions he found it on a dead man. I feel like this is the kind of line they put there to show him being funny or chummy, but really we need to consider that it might be the literal truth. (laughs) Four, Halbrand's speech about giving people a means of mastering their fears so you can master them feels like a good strategy for corrupting people. I don't think a true king of Tolkien's world would subscribe to this kind of manipulation. Five, when Galadriel tells Halbrand about the mutiny of elves, she says, they could not distinguish me from the evil I was fighting. Half a second later, rack focus to Halbrand. (laughs) In the same scene, Halbrand says he's sorry about her brother. It seems like an actual apology. I think what may be happening here is Sauron may have sincerely tried to start over after the defeat of Morgoth. And since he has the ability to change appearance, he intended to disappear in Numenor. Mm. Seven, Halbrand is very good at making weapons. I remember from Lord of the Rings that the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. We see Aragorn try to heal Frodo after he's stabbed on Weathertop, and later he heals Eowyn at the return of the king. Again, in Tolkien's world, I don't think a true king's greatest skills would be smithing and manipulation. That sounds more like the skills of a deceiver. Okay, that was just prior to episode six. Okay? <laughs> then in episode six, Adam writes, a, a, a separate numbered list. Okay? Oh, there's more. Okay. Uh, number one, Adar says he killed Sauron after having sacrificed so many orcs for his experiments. Halbrand seems to remember Adar, but not the other way around. Perhaps Al- Halbrand was previously in another form, as Sauron would be. Two, there's an incredibly odd moment when Adar and Halbrand are alone after the interrogation. As Halbrand is walking out of the room, Adar asks, who are you? Cut to Halbrand from behind, who pauses slightly, doesn't answer, and then leaves. I feel like this scene wouldn't exist if we were to take Halbrand's identity at face value. So what identity would make for a satisfying reveal? Like Dawn, my backup plan would be the Witch King. But I don't think the Witch King is someone that is revealed. Rather, it is what someone becomes. Number three, after the battle, when Halbrand is uh, is talking about the feeling he got fighting alongside Galadriel, he says he wishes he could bind it to my very being. That word bind makes me think of one ring to bind them all. uh, I'm sorry, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, bind them. It's just too suspicious to be coincidence. Finally, I'm not a makeup expert, but I just feel like they've given Halbrand some very heavy eyeshadow in, in such a way, to me, he looks almost like an evil Aragorn just until they reveal, <laughs> just wait until they reveal his goatee. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, I think if, Sal, uh, if Halbrand is Sauron, it would be the most interesting development for Galadriel's character. It plays into her brother's words. Sometimes we cannot know which light to follow until we have touched the darkness. Galadriel has been headstrong and determined all season, which we admire her for, but she's also been stubborn and arrogant, and I think she's in for a rude awakening. 
She basically dragged Halbrand back to Middle Earth, gave him an army, and crowned him king, all because of a medallion that he found on a dead man. How crazy would it be if Gilgalad was right that the same wind that seeks to blow out a fire may also cause it spread? Thanks, and I hope that makes sense. That's Adam from Philadelphia writing into decodingtv.com. Boy, Don, I mean, that is a freaking decisive email. In this about... TED Talk, I will. Yeah, <laughs> that, that concludes Adam's TED Talk. Um, okay, so I have so many questions. I, uh, two, I, I really have two questions. Yes. You know, Don. yes. Question number one, what do you think of the Halbrand Sauron theory? And question two, why the heck haven't you brought it up until this point in the podcast? <laughs> okay, so here is here's the thing. I didn't know if Halbrand was Sauron. I had seen smatterings of theories and various um, arguments to be made one way or the other. And I've seen the Witch King. I've seen Sauron. I've seen um, the King of the Dead. I've seen so many. And we, I have now gotten to the point where, and I think after episode seven especially, I think the theorizing is sort of taking away from my enjoyment of the show. The reason I didn't bring it up is because I also, I wasn't convinced one way or another. To me, there wasn't a lot of evidence until episode seven for me. Mm. And I'll get into that in oh, a so, moment. So literally all of the first six episodes of evidence that I just laid out was not convincing to you. Uh, that I, I didn't pick up on all of the stuff that Adam <laughs> wrote. So props to Adam for, you know, catching what I yes. missed. Yes, um, yes. But I think uh, uh, um, knowing things that I maybe don't even want to mention on this podcast mm, yeah, because, yeah. Um, because of my, my book knowledge – Yes, I think I wanted to let Halbrand's storyline play out because l- think about it like this, right? If it turns out that he is actually King of the Southlands and does turn into the Witch King of Angmar or the King of the Dead, sure, it's a rushed storyline. But yeah, you were absolutely right, David. He would be Aragorn 2.0. And if he's Sauron, then it's all of this subterfuge and stuff that like, one, I didn't have the brain power last week to try and even put together. And two, I... Uh, I wasn't I wasn't sure and I wasn't I wasn't even sure I wanted to theorize about it. Um however, towards the end of this episode 7, I got a distinctive piece of information that seemed a little bit shoehorned in because um as we've previously talked about this episode is not my favorite. Um I do think Halbrand. My theory is that Halbrand is Sauron. Wow, Don speaks the words. I do. On- Coding TV podcast. Here it I, is. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry it's taken so long. I'm sorry I led you astray. Um, but <laughs> you didn't <sighs> lead me astray. You didn't lead me astray. To be clear, you were the one. You're basically the whole season. You've been saying Halbrand is not who he seems. So um, I just felt extremely silly that I have been going against that all season. <laughs> um, but that's okay. That's okay. That's that's part of what the podcast is about. So no thoughts, just uh, vibes. I think before before we close off on this one point, I mean, at this moment in time, as we're recording this, we do not have confirmation of that theory, right? No. So we no, it no, may no. be confirmed next episode or next season. We'll see. Um, I do think that it's a little bit silly uh, if Halbrand is Sauron. It's a little bit like ha like big twist, you know, uh, in in a sense that doesn't feel completely earned. But I do agree that it would be an interesting development for Galadriel. That is, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, I'm not like 
I'm not like, oh, this is a great idea that they did this because I do, I do think it's fundamentally silly to spend all season having an extremely rushed storyline with, hey, let's give Halbrand all these resources. And it's like the whole time I'm like, why are you doing this? And then, oh, it turns out he's evil. It's like, okay, I didn't even want you to give him the resources in the first place. You know, like that's silly and not great storytelling. But I do agree, good, uh, like good plot, sorry, good character development for Galadriel, if that happens. Yes. I don't know if you have any thoughts on like what it would mean for the show if Halbrand is Sauron. (laughs) I've exhausted your, we haven't even started the episode, I've already exhausted We haven't. No, no, David, I'm (laughs) I'm treading on thin ice here because I'm approaching potential book spoilers. I see. Um, see. Maybe I can make an analogy. There are certain things that the audience knows that the characters in this show do not. For example, we know Galadriel doesn't die. Yeah. Isildur That's is a well. fact. It, we know Isildur. Isildur doesn't die. Right. Isildur is safe. Yeah. There are certain <laughs> aspects of this theory that could lend itself to the idea that I'm, I'm treading on such thin ice now. Hang on. Yeah. There are <laughs> theories and ideas that people have that are skirting the line between what the characters know versus what the audience knows. Mm -hmm, And especially in today's modern media, it's very hard to toe that line. And I will say that there is potentially a possibility that the audience may know it is Sauron that the elves do not Mm-hmm. Like, like, like there might come a time in the show when the audience realizes it, but the elves don't. And that, yes. And and do you think that'll make the show more interesting or less interesting? Or yes. And especially after this episode, I actually did a complete one eighty, and I actually disagree with a big thing that the showrunners are doing in keeping us in suspense. I think, given what we have seen in the first seven episodes, it would have been more beneficial to know who the stranger was from the beginning who Halbrand was from the beginning, who Theo and all of these people that could potentially be major key players in the late second age or third age. Um, I also, if they were going to do it the way they have, I think that this show would have lent itself a little bit better to binge watching the way they do stranger things. Mm -hmm, I -hmm. think the question of who is the stranger has been strung on for a really long time. And (laughs) while it's been fun to theorize, I think at the same time, if I had sat down for eight straight hours, taken a Friday off work, and then you and I hopped on a podcast for like another 12 hours dissecting everything, that would have been great. Um, <laughs> I think the the whole mystery box, sort of J.J. Yeah. Abrams, Pandora's yeah. box style, uh, didn't lend itself to the strength of season one. Now, if they choose to go forward in future seasons, no more mystery box. We know who everybody is, and we're yeah. just watching the events play out. Good. I think that's the right decision. I don't know if they'll do that. And I don't know if we'll get all of the reveals. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, this is also the approach that a, a show like Westworld took, which uh, mm-hmm. this podcast previously covered, which is um, there's a trade-off between telling the audience who this character is and surprise, right? Because the, the people they want to, the showrunners, they want to surprise you. Aha, it's Sauron. Aha, it's Gandalf, whatever. Like they They want that moment for the audience where everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. The disadvantage of that approach is the whole time we're watching we're not focused on what this character's motivations are because we don't know what they are. We don't know who yeah. they are. We don't know yeah. what they're doing. like we don't know what what their purpose is or who who they are inside. And so 
we 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 honestly don't know what we're watching. Are we watching the King of the South uh, be you know return victoriously to Lindon, yeah. or are we watching a potentially evil force infiltrate Lind? Like that's without knowing that, it's hard to formulate a strong opinion on it. Yeah, um, and I think they. I I will give the showrunners this. They are making bold decisions. Whether or not that lands with the audience, <laughs> yes, yes. with all of us, you know, obviously not everyone's going to agree on certain things. But I think going forward, the whole mystery box thing was cool, but these bold decisions need to be made with the knowledge that we are in the 21st century. Twitter exists. You're not going to get any spoilers. Tell us from the beginning. Let us watch the journey. Full disclosure, I knew how the ending of Battlestar Galactica happened because I watched the last season with a friend of mine before I watched any of the other stuff. And going back and watching the first four seasons, I was like, I could appreciate the intricacies that much more. And given the intricacies that exist in Tolkien, I have now seven episodes in. I have come to the conclusion that I think this show would have been one, better if I could binge it, or two, better if I had known everything beforehand. Yeah. Or, or in my opinion, like some some mix of it. Like you can have like one or two big reveals, but you know, I think they're just trying to save everything. Uh, and we're we're at the final episode, next episode, you know. And I, I and we might not even find out Halbrand's real no, fate. No, I I think given what I saw in the first seven episodes, I've kind of had time to think this over. I one hundred percent now think that they are going for a fifty-hour story. <laughs> not yeah. five seasons i think right. they started this from the get-go saying we know how it's going to start we know what's in the middle we know how it's going to end and that's that's what they're going for now whether or not that is a good idea or not remains to be seen because again we haven't had all 50 episodes and if it turns out that the first eight were just a little rough around the edges who's to say <laughs> who's, who's to say, to say? Uh, well, anyway, thank you to Adam for writing that into decodingtv at gmail.com. A really persuasive email, I thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and um, thank you for making me not look silly or, or, or rem- like shortening the number of weeks that I look silly by one <laughs> week. Really, really appreciate that. So, all right. You are listening to or watching Decoding TV. I'm David Chen. He's Don Marshall. Let's dive into season one, episode seven of. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. This episode is entitled The Eye. Last episode, Don Marshall, of this podcast, I said to you, I think I think I said to you, that depending on how the show handles that big volcanic explosion that happened at the end of season uh, one, episode six, we're going to learn what kind of show this is. <laughs> we're going to learn what kind of show this is. And I dare say we have learned what kind of show this is. Yeah. Uh, and it's a show did. in which... There are not that many major consequences for major events that happen in the show, at least no. in, in my opinion. Now, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm tainting the question I'm going to ask you, which is, what were your overall thoughts in Season 1, Episode 7, Don Marshall? My thoughts remain roughly the same with a few caveats. Uh, this show continues to have stunning music, stunning landscapes, really incredible individual scenes, very poignant moments. In terms of overall story, though, still feel like we're spinning our wheels. Still feel like the cohesive story isn't quite there yet. It could be. I want to make it very clear. If you enjoy this show like I do, I think you you look at episode six as the potential for what it could be. Um, but there were a few moments in this episode where I went, no, I want more of that. Give me that. And it, it only happened in tiny doses. And there were a few things that 
I didn't agree with, um, but also a few standout performances that cemented the, God, I hope they lean into this way more next season uh, thought process. I think this might have been the episode that broke my relationship with this show. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not going to lie. Like, we'll, we'll see how next week plays out. I, I have loved doing this podcast so much with you. This is my first Don Marshall collaboration. It's been a joy and a delight every week to gather together to talk about it. Um, but I found this episode really frustrating. And yeah, the big reason is, as people might suspect, uh, the the language of last episode right. is holy shit! Something ca- catastrophic is occurring, uh, and we're we're seeing freaking literal lava rocks like touch down next to Galadriel and just completely wipe out people, and everyone's gonna be you know encompassed in this lava rock. And we see a horse on fire running away in the first scene of the episode, and. Surely some people have died, and uh, and probably some of our main characters, uh, but basically no main main character died. There was Isildur's friend, Antimo, uh, or Antimo. Uh, yeah, Antimo. Yes, Antimo. The, we we spent at least like six minutes with that character in the whole series thus, thus far. Um, he's dead. The Queen Regent loses her sight, uh, and. But that's basically it in terms of that set of characters. Uh, oh, oh, and Isildur is missing, but like, come on. Here's the thing. Don, I am not a Lord of the Rings expert. Even I know Isildur is alive during Lord yeah. of the Rings, right? Yeah. So it's Here's like, what you I will say. Yeah, go ahead. Putting characters in danger that we know survive, I think, unless we see that person alive again. So like, of course we know, but the show is still keeping us in suspense. We're not seeing what he's doing. I really liked the effect that Isildur's fake out death had on uh ellen deal because i yes. think lloyd owen continues to shine as this character and the effect that that had on him is brilliant i i don't i don't you didn't need it it was unnecessary. it's a weird it's such a weird move it's like yeah it's every, weird you know again I, i'm i'm a filthy casual even i know isildur lives through this you know what i'm saying so it's just like it's just why are you trying to create suspense out of this when we know that he's not uh, he's not dead. So you could 100% have created suspense out of secondary characters oh. in watching these main characters desperately trying to find their friend. Hell, give Isildur a plot. Sorry, I'm I'm going on my soapbox, <laughs> but like all I wanted was for Isildur to go through the entire episode and just like be searching for his friends and not being able to find it and fighting off orcs and like eventually going through all of that struggle only to find both of his friends dead. Right. Would have been a great, would have been great character development for Isildur. Would have been formative for this character who we know is going to be important in Lord of the Rings. You know, um, but yeah, anything like that. Uh, but I think that at this point, I am I am willing to declare, like thus far, the Numenor plotline is is a disaster in my opinion. Like it's just the way it's all played out. It's been super rushed. Uh, we've barely got to know any of these characters, and then to show us a cataclysmic event that then literally pretty much everyone we know survives um i I will not trust and like if they try to do this again i'm not going to trust that it's going to be consequential at all you know like yeah and that's that you need that for a show if a show is like showing you hey the entire building blew up and no one died then the next time a building blows up you're not going to feel like there's anything worth getting worried about and that may that lowers my engagement and emotional attachment to the show 
um, I think it's a it's a it was a very bad decision. And it's the thing is they could have easily. I was like, oh my gosh, Bronwyn and Arendir killed off. Incredible, incredible! Like that's a bold move. What? Wow. Yeah. Except they show up at the end completely unscathed, and yeah. uh, and I guess they I guess they're back. Um, I was also thinking about your words about how there there have been no. Uh, other in- known instances of like elven human uh, couplings, and I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe this is how they took care of that. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Hey, hey, We're- wouldn't it, <laughs> it, it, it riddle me this, David? Wouldn't it have been such a poignant yet tender moment? Cut out all of the Bronwyn torture porn <laughs> stuff that we got in episode six. <laughs> wouldn't it have been such a poignant moment to see the fallen bodies of Arundir and Bronwyn holding each other mm-hmm. as Theo mm-hmm. finds their bodies and is whisked away? by Galadriel saying we have to go what would that do to Theo's character and yeah. now we're like ah. and I said this last week there's there's too many characters uh, and look yeah, I yeah, say this having met characters it's like kill off some characters it's okay it's okay to kill off some characters yeah. in fact it's really bold and uh interesting for the world you know to, to interesting for the other characters it creates other motivations for them yes um and yeah go ahead sorry I didn't mean to I say it. this having met almost all of the cast members and they are lovely. Yeah. I've had conversations with them. They, they know the lore and they have so much fun together. I don't know who I would kill off first, but like, <laughs> I feel like a choice needed to be made. And yeah. so far, this is again, this whole spinning your wheels thing. I'm like, Oh, yeah. come on. Give me, give me some gravitas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Numenor plotline is pretty, uh, in a pretty terrible place, uh, possibly an irredeemably bad place, in my opinion. Um, Ooh, okay. Har- Har- Harfoot stuff is okay. Uh, same thing happens this week as in the past two weeks, just FYI. Yep. Or, you know, n- n- nothing much either. Um, freaking uh, Durin and Disa and Elrond are freaking holding the show together with their bare hands done. Like, <laughs> that is the that is by far the best, most interesting Best acted, like not best acted. I don't want to. I don't want to impugn the the performances of the other actors. No, but no, like, no, no. But... It is. It is the most. It is the plotline that I am most emotionally attached to right now. Yes, likewise. Um, and and there's a lot of interesting d- dynamics going on there that have been like pretty decently developed. Um, but I was crushingly disappointed by this episode. And let's talk about why. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> before we get into the main event. Let's talk about all the other subplot lines, okay? Yeah. Start with the Harfoots, all right? So they arrive at a at a, the grove that they're uh, destined towards, and uh, they see that a... Uh, you a wrote, chunk of rock. Yeah, I wrote you meteor. wrote meteor. It's not here. a no, meteor. It's, it's I like thought a, it was a I meteor. I thought it was yeah. meteor, too. I thought it was meteor, too, but it's a chunk of rock from the lava uh, that landed in the grove, killed most of the trees. Now, open question, Don, about how these guys are close enough to get lava chunks falling on them, but they didn't hear the explosion or can't see it. You know, that's a little weird to me. Yeah, so we actually, uh, fun, obscure Lord of the Rings fact. I made a video about this, actually, that I didn't notice until after we had recorded. Um, we actually know where the Harfoots are. When uh, when Nori, or excuse me, not Nori, when uh, Poppy, or was it episode five? When, when Poppy sang the song, we get a little mm-hmm. map pop up. And we actually see... That they travel uh, south down towards uh, the, the place called the Falls of Rauros, which is where we see Boromir uh, take the boat over the waterfall. Um, and so they're right around there and they go even further south. So 
would they have heard it? I don't know how volcanoes work. Is it plausible <laughs> that, that the volcano's chunks spewed that far? Sure. They're probably even further south, but I don't know how geology works. So Volcanoes don't work the same in Middle Earth, right? They Basically, the rock chunks travel much farther than the sound from the volcanoes in Middle Earth. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's a thing we've learned. Okay, so then... Uh, the stranger's there, and he tries to revive a tree, but it does some spooky stuff. And uh, and then they're like, get out of here, stranger. But then it's, oh, it turns out what the stranger did was good. If that sounds very similar to what happens in previous weeks, it's because it's exactly the same thing that happened in previous weeks with the stranger. Yep. Uh, basically, is he good? Is he bad? Maybe he's doing bad things, but maybe it's good things. But he's a little bit creepy, and maybe we don't want him around. That's basically the Harford Stranger storyline. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, there are a couple of other a nice, nice few touches here, right? Um, yes. There is, a, there is. A, what, what is it that the stranger is saying to the tree to get right. it to come back to life? So the stranger says four words. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but Kuta, Envinata, Lote, and Kurieta. Again, no idea if that's correct or not. Someone will, I'm sure someone will send an angry email, but um, Kueta is like a, a restore, a refresh. Uh, Invinata means to heal. Lote means flower. And Kueta means live or life. So nice little nod uh, in Elvish there um, that the stranger did. Also, nice, nice little detail as he's saying this. Um, one of the uh, women in the show goes, Sadduk, trees don't talk. And Sadduk, uh, played by Lenny Henry, go, well, some do. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that we, we've we've had old Sadduk been talking to some Ents uh, in the past. All right. We'll see. The uh, creepy people in white robes show up. They're looking for the stranger. <laughs> yep. The mystics. I think I called them the dwellers like two weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. But I believe they're called the, they're referred to as the mystics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they are looking for the stranger and uh they seem to be going in the right direction and nori pops up and is like no he actually went the other way and there was some confusion i actually read a recap of this episode that was like nori was trying to help them but i i think she was trying to she thinks she senses that they are dangerous and is trying to get them away from the stranger right I, that, was I, my th- that was my read on it as well yes and the stranger's I, I, I get, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, mystics or creepy people in white robes. That's what I'm going to call them. Creepy people in sure. white robes. C P I W R. The Sipwar. Um, mm-hmm. We'll workshop it. <laughs> these a little work. These a little work. Uh, they reward Nori's helpfulness by torching her entire encampment. Now, it wasn't clear to me if they knew that she was lying, you know, and that's why they torched it, or are they just. Some some mystics just want to watch the world burn, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Their motivations remain uh, unclear other than we need to find this person. So whether or not they are evil for the sake of being evil, um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they are, right? These strike me as servants of Sauron or his master Morgoth. Like, right? They're the creepy but, but people you don't, in but white you don't know. You don't know, Don, because we've been introduced to Halbrand as the king of the South. So maybe... You know, these people are going to be the good guys. They're going to be like uh, elvish emissaries or something like that. We Don't have no do this idea. to me, David. Don't do this to me. 
anyway, that was the entire plot line. There's yes. a speech given by Largo. Sadok says we're all going to die anyway, and they travel to go find the stranger. Yeah, they they, they, they go help the stranger out, even though that was the thing that was confusing. Is like Nori had pointed them in the wrong direction, but they still think the stranger needs help. Whatever. Stuff's just going on with that plot line. Okay. Yep. Let's talk about the Elrond Durandisa storyline. Uh, the one carrying the show. Yes. yes, the one that is... It, it actually needs to be taken to the hospital because it's carrying the freaking show on its back, Don. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Elrond Durandisa... Um, you know, there's there's more arguments here around whether or not uh, they are going to give the Mithril to the elves. And it's not only... Here's the thing. It's not only uh, whether or not the elves can have access to the Mithril. It's whether they will even dig for the Mithril at all, it seems yep. like, is what is going on, right? Yes, yes. Um, King Durin is obviously not up for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And he does not want to risk dwarvish lives to save the elves because it will be dangerous to dig for the mithril and he's like i don't want to expend dwarvish lives for something that might help might not i'm not even sure this is an interesting kind of dynamic question of like and certainly you know in the real world we encounter in many different forms of like how much do we sacrifice of our own resources um our own lives uh to help others you know, uh, for problems that may not even intersect with us, right? Like, right. Uh, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, but yeah, there's a scene where Elrond is asking Durin's dad, and Durin's dad says, no, uh, I'm not going to let you have the mithril. Yeah. Any thoughts on this whole sequence, Don? Uh, Peter Mullen continues to be one of the most dynamic secondary characters in this show. I, as, as Prince, or excuse me, as King Doran the third um every scene he's in he brings a weight and a gravitas to and i think that is part of the reason why elrond doran and Diza aside this plot line is so strong i think yeah, they I had... mean, he's one of the great character actors of all time you know yes. in in this role so it's just like you're gonna get gold in general with with peter mullen so yeah peter uh... mullen did a great job here uh owain arthur continues to just shine as well um phenomenal actor like the the uh, i think his line delivery to me has been some of the best in the entire show in that like he he's because Doran the king his father is acting in the best interest of the dwarves whereas Doran is trying to save his friend right he might see it as you know the fate of the elves is in my hand but what it all boils down to is my friend is dying and my father won't help. And I have the ability to help. And I think those two dynamics at play are one of the more interesting concepts that the show has played with. And I quite like the direction that they're they're going with this. If if the if the story arc of of uh Mori continues to remain the same, I, I'd be totally fine, I think, if that stays the course. Yeah. A couple of other touches in this whole sequence. Uh Elrond knows Dwarvish, which is a shock to everyone. They're they're talking about him as though he doesn't understand it, but he's learned some of it. The stone tongue, as they call it, right? Yes. So this is a Dwarven language called Kuzdul. Uh, We only get a few references to it, even in the books. It is a secret language that the dwarves use only among other dwarves. There are only, right now, 
two cases of within adaptations of people knowing the dwarven tongue and that is aragorn who we see in the fellowship of the ring because gimli says a swear word to the elves in lothlorien and aragorn goes that was not so courteous so aragorn knows a little bit of it or at least he knows swear words in it yes he well he here's another fun obscure fact uh gimli says ishkakwi i durugnul which is more or less a created for the movies version of i spit upon your grave um and Aragorn knows what he said, and then this time we are now confirmed, and it doesn't surprise me at all, that Elrond knows a bit of Dwarvish. So Durin and Disa have a heated conversation about it because obviously Disa is not happy with King Durin's decision. I'm going to refer to Durin's dad as King Durin. I think that's yes. a good way of denoting yeah. it, right? Um, Durin ultimately sides with his dad. They say farewell to El- Elrond, but Elrond gives Durin the Mithril, like this rock, mm-hmm. this tiny stone of unobtainium i mean mithril sorry and he <laughs> hey hang on <laughs> mithril existed way before avatar did how terrible uh-huh. i don't know they're kind of <laughs> anyway he uh he puts it down on the table next to this dead leaf right and then the leaf comes back to life mm-hmm. so the idea i guess is that the mithril even is able to bring things back to life that are surrounding it which is not something that we had known before it, it can revive previously dead things right yes this is, uh, I think, a creative liberty that the showrunners are sort of uh, going with uh, in in any of the books or any of the extended stuff. Uh, we don't actually get any, like, origin story for Mithril. Like, the whole Balrog and Elf fighting by a tree and lightning struck the tree, and that's a... Uh, that's obviously not true. The, Alrond even calls it apocryphal uh, when we learn that origin. Um, but it's not out of the realm of, you know, the sort of universe that a, a stone has a magical uh, yes. sort of property or a mineral has a magical property. So um, is it my favorite uh, MacGuffin to get them out of a situation? No. I do have a theory, though, and I don't think I put this in the What show do you mean notes. get them out of a situation? Like what situation is it getting them out of? So the Mithril theoretically is going to help the elves, um, you know, uh, restore their light right they'll stop the trees from being infected it will their their souls won't uh diminish in the same way that like elrond says arwen's soul will diminish and just wither to nothing um i think they're going very much for that same sort of idea right got it in my mind the most logical next step and again this is just a theory the most logical next step in all of this is to create things with the mithril and we know that the elves have a certain number of objects that could potentially grant power or longevity to their people. So my theory is that I think this mithril is eventually going to be used to create uh, the elven rings. Mm. Interesting. So, the, yeah, and, and I think as you pointed out, like the different rings might be made of different things, right? I there's have like previously of, said that. Yeah. There's a set of rings for the elves, there's a set of rings for man, and, you know, and then eventually, yeah. of course, one ring to rule them all. Um, that one I think is made out of the blood of babies, if I'm, if I'm uh, not mistaken. No, I'm <laughs> just joking. Um, but yes, the elvish rings might be made of mithril, and these might be what helps to give them life, is what you're, mm-hmm. what you're calling right now. That's my theory. I, I will say that I'm a little bit disappointed that, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Obviously, we're learning what kind of show this is as we go along. But uh, 
I thought there might be like a more interesting plot line around uh, this forge that they're constructing this season. Mm-hmm. It seems likely that we're not going to get a really interesting plot line around it at this point. Nope. Like, uh, nope. because because they 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 so much time Don is dedicated to setting it up. Like, they're like Gilgalad says to Elrond, "Hey, I need you to help with something." Here's Calabrimbor, a character you're going to meet whose express purpose is to deal with this situation. And so I'm thinking, oh, maybe throughout the season we're going to get like constructing the forge and like different moral quandaries that come up with constructing a forge. For a really good example of what I'm talking about, have you seen Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and or Better Call Saul? I have seen Breaking Bad. I have not watched Better Call Saul. Okay, well, this is a very minor spoiler for Better Call Saul, but basically in Breaking Bad... Walter White uses this thing called a super lab, right? Where he like makes meth in this extremely well done lab. There is a massive multi-year long plot line in Better Call Saul about building that lab. Like what it took to build it. What like all the steps that needed to be taken to build it, like all the secrecy that needed to, and, and like all the steps they needed to take to like, make sure that no one found out about it, all this. And it, it is a, it becomes like basically a massive plot point in Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like overall pretty fascinating. You know, there were some ups and downs, but like overall, I thought it was like a pretty fascinating look at what it would take to do that. And so I thought, hey, maybe Rings of Power is going to do like, what does it take to build a forge? And oh, we, oh, something went wrong and we need to make a sacrifice to do it. And it's like, nope, literally none of that happens. Yeah. Um, I think, season. I think it would have been a little bit uh, more streamlined had Celebrimbor and Gilgalad been honest with Elrond from the beginning. Hey, look, the dwarves have Mithril. We need it. You need to get it. And as you said last week, that's the mission. Yes. From, from uh, what, what was it? The Top, Top Gun, Gun Maverick. Maverick. You explain the mission. You give him the mission. That's the mission. So everything yeah. we see Elrond doing, he is a clear mission. Uh, and in this case, it was less clear, right? Yeah. And I think I think it might have been a, you know, we're, we're rewriting it going back. <laughs> we're rehashing now, but... our point that, like, the show would rather be like, aha, look reveal rather than hey i'm invested in this character's journey and what they're doing um but what's what's so strong about this storyline is the acting and the relationship between elrond and durin you really feel like these are characters that have been through a lot together oh absolutely absolutely and even even the three of them durin disa and elrond continue to be whenever the three of them are on screen together i'm like all right this is gonna be good i'm ready what do we got and i think Honestly, I hope they lean into that more in, in season two. I really hope they lean into that more. Durin and Elrond start mining for Mithril. And they have a conversation about, uh, they, they kind of talk about their lives. And this is kind of the stuff that I enjoy from this kind of show, Don, you know, is like just mm-hmm. folks hanging out, just talking about their life. I, I really think we needed more of this because we needed to invest in these characters more, mm-hmm. you know, the Galadriel equivalent is she's like, we got to go to the Southlands. Got to go to the Southlands. Got to kill evil. Like that's, that's the equivalent of Galadriel. But like in this, it's like, Hey, these characters are reflecting on their past, getting to know mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. We've learned a lot about Elrond and his family and how he thinks about family in this. It's, it's, this is solid mm-hmm. stuff. In my opinion, there's a, there's a really easy fix that they could have done for uh, the Southlands plot line. I'll get into that in a minute, but basically people sitting around talking is, I think what, this episode needed more of Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh we did not we did not uh get a lot of that in the southlands but i quite liked this elrond doran scene where uh we we almost get doran's dwarven name 
Um, and yeah, is is that? I wanted to ask you: is that a secret in the books, or is that yeah? That's that, I don't think that's ever something that we know uh, that Tolkien wrote about. But I, having a secret dwarven language would lend itself to having a secret dwarven name, and so there's almost a 100 certainty that we will see. Uh, at least I hope that there is a payoff in that we see Elrond learn Doran's secret name. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, but it was cool. He was he was about to say it, and then Elrond's like, "Save it for after we get through this mess." Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice touch. It's a nice touch. It is. It is. But then Durin's Durin's dad comes in. King Durin comes in, and he is not happy no. that his son has been acting against his wishes. Uh, they have a really intense conversation, and then Durin strips him of his collar thing, which I guess removes him from the line of Elvish. I'm sorry, Dwarven Kings, is that right? Yeah, I think it's meant to be symbolic because they find that the huge vein of Mithril, so uh, Prince Doran is so vindicated, and then his dad comes along and is like, mm-mm, you're done. Rips the collar off, and and it, it felt to me like he was sort of symbolically stripping him of his birthright, whatever you want to call it, however you sort of feel. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but... It doesn't matter because Durin still has Disa and they're like, hey, guess what? We're going to uh, – one day we're going to be running this place anyway. It doesn't, doesn't even matter yeah, basically, yeah. right? It feels feels like they're almost setting up Disa to be like, hey, let's have a, a little coup. Um, but I, I Yeah, I she kind of like, – she does her, Beth Lady, does her best Lady Macbeth impression, you know? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be though – and again, this is just me theorizing. Wouldn't it be an interesting kind of – situation where we get almost like a Macbeth storyline in that the, the Macbeth storyline sort of sunders the elves from the dwarves in that, you know, the, the greed and their lust for power and Mithril leads ultimately to a, a straining of that relationship because they've done so much to set up this Elrond Durin relationship. Wouldn't it just be heartbreaking and potentially really good TV to watch that relationship sort of fracture so that when we watch the movies again, or we read the books, we go, Oh, the elves and dwarves hate each other. And there's a reason why, and we are watching that happen. Um, I I also do want to clarify something real quick. Uh, Diza's eyes have always been that sort of golden color. Diza is not Sauron. I've seen a couple of Twitter theories. That's like, Oh, Sauron is is many people, and one of them is Diza, and he's tempting Doran. It's like, n- no, no, no. Her eyes have always been gold, and she's just got, you know, and rightfully so, a sort of birthright for, for Doran. Is it that much more ridiculous than Halbrand being Sauron, though? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> listen. All right, fair wanna... enough. Okay. <laughs> Final thing about this storyline, uh, King Durin takes a leaf, throws it into the hole, it falls down. We see basically the same rendering of the underground as we saw in kind of the mythic story that was told about the formation of Mithril. Mm -hmm. Lands on the bottom. And then, hey, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV screen. It's the thing that we know from the movies. It's uh, (laughs) the Balrog. Now, you know, Don, I don't know what this is. Like, is this... Are they trying to imply that he's waking the Balrog up? Is the Balrog always just there chilling? Like, no, I, I, so the Balrog, the Balrogs at the end of the first age ran. 
underground so as not to be defeated um so there may be more maybe this is the same one i'm almost positive it is uh i don't think the leaf woke him up i'm gonna be honest i'm pretty sure it was the mining just in case there was any uh possibility there i mean it um, does see the, the the language of the show is leaf lands balrog wake, the balrog wasn't already awake and then you just saw the leaf um i didn't but... i didn't read into it like that at all i think it was more a Hey, remember this? I think they should have just had the leaf burn. I think if they had let the leaf burn, it would have been like, wait, why is a leaf in a giant mine burning? It's not that hot. Are they close to lava? What's going on? It would have been a little bit more foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the, uh, uh, what's it called? It, it would be the equivalent of the show ending with someone say, what should we name this place? And then the words Mordor burn onto screen, you know? Oh, listen, listen. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that part of the podcast yet, David. Can we not? <sighs> I didn't have as much of a problem with that, but like, I get it. I get it. Um, it's it's like, well, are we some sort of suicide squad? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how that moment felt. And also yeah. this Balrog scene felt. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's the, it's the thing. And it's like, Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I sense you're not super enthused about the Balrog's appearance either, and I'm curious, like, why that is. I think they could have done it a little bit better. Um, it almost... I wanted the Balrog's reveal to be epic and grand in the yeah. way that it is in both in the, the books movies. and the movies. Yeah, the movies, and, and right? again, yeah. I, I try not to harp on the, God, the movies did it so much better, I wish they had done it this way. I just feel like it was, this particular part to me was too heavy-handed. Um, I would have liked to have seen the leaf burn, and if they were going to show the Balrog, show him start to climb up the mithril or touch the mithril and it burns away. Like, give us stakes, not just a... Uh, oh, hey, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. Yeah, that just, yeah you it's know, the, the Leonardo and, DiCaprio pointing. Right. And I think the show invites the comparison, Don, to be clear. Oh, it does. It does. I think the Balrog looks... There are many things we see in uh, Lord of the Rings, the movies... That we then see again in Rings of Power. Yes. Some of them look like somewhat similar, like uh, the Elvish homeland. You know, it's like, oh, that's really similar to like what we see in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, not exactly the same. Harfoots are like kind of similar to uh, the Hobbits, but like not. They're different enough. I think they have all this like different. They're obviously nomadic, unlike the Hobbits, and so it's like, oh yeah, okay, they're kind of they're kind of the same. The Balrog looks extremely similar to how he does in the yeah. movies from yeah. my it's from my recollection yeah no it's almost the exact same you're, you're right. not so it's like much. so it's like okay like you're inviting me to compare how this showed up in the movies compared to here and perhaps not favorably um anyway yeah that is all the non numenorian stuff uh that happens uh, non-southlands non-numenorian stuff that happens on this week's episode of the rings of power Don Marshall, before we continue, you want to let people know where they can find more of your work on the internet this week? Yes, I can be found uh, on pretty much any website that involves social media at DonMarshall72. My main account is on TikTok. But you can I find him on Friendster, on, on MySpace, uh, <laughs> on uh, AOL Plurk. Instant Messenger. A- AOL, MS, you know, MSN Instant Messenger. He's DonMarshall72 on all, all the current hot platforms right now. What the heck is Plurk? <laughs> What that's, is that a real thing or did you just make up words? That's a real thing. It's before your time though. It's before your time. Oh so, god. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. There is a uh, uh there's a office in the office, you know, um the sitcom 
yeah. Ryan, the uh, BJ Novak character, says like uh, he he invents a social network called uh, called Woof. And right? it's the Washington, yeah. It's well, it's the name it's of just something like, else. It just sends you. It's like I I sent you a woof, you know. And it's it's basically like it's a parody of the fact that like there was a time in I guess the early aughts where every weird ass term was a social network. <laughs> so like clerk <laughs> and there you know Ello and like all these there's all these other like weird ones that like never caught on, um, but. Nonetheless, like there, there was one that was like I don't even remember what it was, but it was basically like you. It was like the equivalent of like a poke. You send someone a poke. Anyway, that was a Facebook thing. No, no, no. I know, I know, but like, but like it was, it was one that was like just that. I don't even remember what it was, but oh god, we're we're gonna get a bunch of like tweets about it's this social network. Yeah, yeah. Send us your your worst early two (laughs) thousands. Yes, social media. Okay, Um, okay. So anyway, uh, all right. So, so, uh, Don, where can people actually find you? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the whole point of what I was trying to say. Uh, my main account is on TikTok at DonMarshall72. I'm also on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as Patreon. Um, and that's more or less it. And look, I get about a dozen or so emails a day about people trying to get me to join their brand new creator-friendly social media account. I'm sorry. I don't care if you verify me. You've got a hundred users. I'm never going to join it. Um, wow. Jeez. I, big timing, big timing these social media networks, Don. No, no. They're just not big time social media networks. I just don't have the time to join <laughs> yeah. a dozen different ones. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have the time. I don't right, have the so time. Those, the ones that Don name, and we also, of course, listen to the show notes. Uh, and I just want to say, hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, check out our other coverage of shows like um, Andor and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We got some other shows coming up in the future that we're really excited about. Uh, and if you want to support this podcast and make it possible for us to do shows like this in the future, become a paid member at DecodingTV.com and get some cool benefits as well. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, Don Marshall, let's talk about the other stuff in the episode. Don, I feel like your heart is heavy this episode, Don. Your heart is heavy. David I, I, <laughs> David, I don't have children. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if I ever plan to. Uh-huh. But have you ever have you ever watched a, a TV show where a father or a mother has watched their child do something amazing and then 
they try and do it again and immediately just sort of maybe you fumble the football on the one yard line and uh or or maybe you, you you try and do something really really great and you do it and then the immediate next part is just uh just something that could have easily been avoided and done way better um that's how i feel i'm i'm a slightly disappointed parent uh, I and see. again i i don't again i don't want to knock the actors, the set designers, the the anything yeah, because I, I, I think to its credit, the episode looks great. This episode looks it great. looks great. The music is phenomenal. I love the costumes. It's great. It could have they could have done a lot more. They could have done a lot more, and I wish they had because there were some very easy. Let me let me give you the first part before we get into the whole like plot of this. Right. Well, no. Let, let's me. go through the plot. And no, the, no, no. Hit me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Hit me. So there's the huge destruction. Everybody on the internet is arguing why Galadriel can somehow survive a pyroclastic flow of lot. Like, I, shut up. I don't care about that part. Frodo and Sam are in a volcano. I don't care about that part. <laughs> Theo and Galadriel are in a scene together. And they have such a great dynamic because we've never seen these two characters on screen. Give me more of that. Give me Muriel and Arondir. Give me Bronwyn and Elendil. All of these characters are separated, and maybe one of them is hurt, and maybe one of them doesn't make it to the camp, right? I wanted I wanted way more of that dynamic. I wanted to watch these characters that I have grown to really enjoy, right? Even if Amazon did make them up. I, I enjoy Arondir's character. I enjoy Theo and Bronwyn. I want more of that dynamic where we're mixing things up. And I thought the Theo Galadriel part was great. We finally got to see Galadriel be more than this hard exterior he's talking about I actually completely agree. that stuff. was my favorite scene from this plotline was the galadriel yeah. theo stuff. it's like oh what we're we're learning another aspect of this character uh again it's it's very similar to kind of the elrond durin stuff where they're just, just these characters sitting chilling mm-hmm. talking getting to know mm-hmm. them like I th- we needed more of that this season we did we did we um, didn't get that we didn't get that and i was yeah. very disappointed well, first of all they're all separated for reasons um i mean Forget about the fact that they were literally, you know, 10 feet apart in the last scene that we saw them in. Uh, huge explosions have occurred that killed none of them other than Antimo. Can you imagine, by the way, being the queen regent, you survive this c- catastrophic flow and then you are blinded because of this uh, house that fell on you? Yeah, that's kind well, of no, a... the, the, the fire, the fire within the house. Yes. Uh, burst. Sure. There was another yes. explosion, which, and, and to be perfectly honest, that was actually the part that I found the most realistic. Um, <laughs> and that was just coming from my, my journalism perspective. I have covered enough um, hmm, tragedies that have happened. When the initial, you know, shock happens, mm-hmm. you're going to lose a, a number of people, RIP on Tomo. Um, <laughs> but a majority of the, a majority of the, the sort of um, casualties happen in the aftermath you know someone is hurt and you can't treat the wound fast enough you yeah. can't get them to medical attention fast enough so um I, I found that to be really realistic to me but that's enough. that's Fair just enough. This, okay yeah. i i yeah. i stand corrected i think you're you're right about that mm-hmm. um i mean i will say i'll just quickly reiterate the point that i made earlier which is that I don't think you can show something like what you sh- saw happening last episode uh, and then not kill off any major characters because it's clear. It would be it'd be one thing if it was like the fire wasn't that dangerous, like no one died. Like there was some exp- in-universe explanation 
for the fire not being dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would have been completely fine. It's like, oh, it was just, it just looked bad. It wasn't that bad. But it's like, no, we see a horse on fire. We see multiple people die during it. So then, but then to not kill off any major characters, it really does feel like a cheat. It feels like I have lost trust with this show because you're going to show me a thing. And then it's like, oh, well, next time a dangerous thing happens and it's a ends an episode, I'm going to be like, whatever. Like, everyone's yeah. probably going to survive like they did last. Like, if if you keep doing this kind of thing, it loses the trust of the audience that actions have consequences, events have consequences. So yep. I will try yep. not to harp on that too much. But it did really no, annoy it's, me. It's a, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a definite. Uh, some some trust has been lost, and I think for me me as well. There's a you know there's the fake out of his seal door's death because the building falls on him. I, I we know he lives. We know yes. he lives. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we're we're getting off track. All good. All good. So, uh, as you mentioned, the characters all separate. Galadriel and uh, Theo. Theo have have a moment where they're everyone's i guess trying to find their way to a secondary location that they've all agreed upon Mm -hmm. in case something like this ever happens yeah base Um, camp base camp uh we see the queen regent she loses her sight she and elendil and isildur's friend kind of go back together and they have this realization where uh you know that that she can't see anymore and i you know at the beginning of the podcast episode i played this clip and on the one hand, it was acted and also uh, shot like very beautifully, where he kind of like takes her hand and he's like, "Are you mm-hmm. sure you're okay?" But the but the dialogue felt like kind of hacky to me, where he's like, you know, she's like, "I see," and he's like, "Do yeah. you?" And it's like at the, on the one hand, it's very moving when she he takes her hand. On the other hand, it's very silly. The line is like, like you know, it almost <laughs> felt like kind of cringy when he's like, "Do you really though? Do you really?" Yeah. You know, like a pun almost. Like yeah. anyway, um, but. What else happens this episode? Uh, I mean, we talked about the Theo Gladriel conversation, and some major facts are dropped during that conversation. Dog, they are, they are. I would, I would love to go into that part actually because I found that to be one of the more interesting parts of the episode. Right. So obviously, the biggest fact is that Gladriel used to be married. Right now, uh, I believe that the understanding was always that she was married during this time frame in the books, yes. but that. People were like, "Oh, I guess they, I guess she's not married in the show." Like that's kind of what I, I, I saw people conclude is like, I, "I guess she's just not married." This version of her is she's not married. Right. Well, it turns out she was married this whole time, Don. So, kind of a shock, kind of a weird fact to drop at this point in time. What did you make of this whole conversation? Who is Galadriel's husband? Like, what do we know about him, etc.? So we actually see Galadriel's husband in the movies. He is Celeborn, the guy that says, tell me, where is Gandalf? For I much desire to speak with him. And uh, it's that guy. He's got only a few lines in the entire movie. Uh, Doesn't really play that much of a role in the books either. Um, But Celeborn and Galadriel are uh, messy in that Tolkien's established lore for them only exists uh, posthumously. His son, Christopher, uh, took a bunch of his notes, put it together in a book called The Silmarillion, and then we get, you know, an origin story. But there's like four different origin stories for Galadriel and Celeborn. So what I think the showrunners are doing is they are taking sort of the the idea that Celeborn and Galadriel's backstory is sort of uh, 
not set in stone and creating from it uh, a, a means to create this sort of warrior Galadriel, who, by the way, I have no problem with. I am quite glad they put her in armor. I think it was very cool and an interesting decision for the character. But I don't think Caliborn's uh, dead by any means. I saw a couple of people theorizing that he is dead. Um, no, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna see him either come back in a later season uh, because elves can be sort of reincarnated. We know that from the books. Uh, an elf by the name of Glorfindel uh, was alive in the first age, died fighting a Balrog. Um, and then comes back, and he is actually the one that saves Frodo in the the book, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, not Arwen. They they replaced Glorfindel with Arwen. Um, so it is not out of the realm of possibility to see Celeborn, and I actually think we will very soon. All right. There's also a scene where Galadriel and Theo are kind of fleeing from the orcs. And it recalls a scene from Lord of the Rings where Frodo was trying to get away from the ring wraiths, I believe, right? Yes, yes. So this is actually a really interesting nod that everyone who's like super hates the show is like, they're just stealing from Peter Jackson. This is actually a nice callback to Ralph Bashke, who did the animated movie. People don't realize that Peter Jackson actually copied ralph's imagery of the scene where the hobbits are hidden in this little thicket of roots and the nazgul is above them it is almost a one-for-one shot comparison from the animated movie to the peter jackson movie and so we see this nice little nod to the uh, those that have come before we see this nice little uh nod to the ralph bashke movie as well as the peter jackson movie uh when theo and galadriel hide from the yorks i thought that was kind of nicely done yeah so folks the show is not copying the movies both the show and the movies are copying from something else okay like mm-hmm. just at least get your accusations in order all right yeah if you're going to insult me do it properly <laughs> <laughs> that's a line from right. monsters inc i think ellen deal and the numenorians arrive back at the camp there's a scene where ellen deal is trying they're, they're all going back to uh numenor right they're yeah. trying to and the uh, Isildur's horse won't join them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beric is the horse, won't join them. And so Ellen Deal's like, well, I guess we got to let you go. And then Beric gallops off into the distance, probably to go help Isildur's, I guess. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to have one of those. Uh, Aragorn gets rescued by a horse in the Two Towers parallels as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Theo and Galadriel arrive at the camp. Uh, and he's looking for his mom, and I'm like, and and immediately when this scene began, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna find Aaron Deer and his mom, like, because because in general, when they show a scene of someone like looking for someone in a thing, they don't do that scene unless, in general, sometimes it happens, but like they don't do that scene unless they're gonna find the person, right? Because um, they spent so much time on it, they're like, this person who's like missing a leg and this person who's missing half their face and this person who's missing a torso and it's like okay you're showing us all these because eventually we're gonna find Bronwyn and in fact they showed up no uh, real satisfying explanation for how they survived everything or any background about any of that but uh, they're alive so that's what matters I don't know if you (laughs) I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that (laughs) I don't have thoughts or vibes, David. Yeah. This was just, I was like, oh, okay, good. They're alive. Oh, 
what what is that nice. what does that mean what is it i was like okay all right okay mm-hmm. okay yeah okay okay uh anything else about this sequence i mean there, there's a big confrontation between uh elendil muriel who is now blind uh, and then Galadriel shows up and they kind of yes. hash out what their next steps are, right? Yeah. So so the Southlander people, they're going to go to Pelagir, which is a, a actual place in Middle-earth. Um, so they're going to hang out there. Um, Muriel actually has a really great line that I quite liked uh, to Galadriel. Do not spend your pity on me, elf. Save it for our enemies, for they do not know what they have begun. For I, Muriel, daughter of our Inza... Oh god, I'm going to mispronounce this so badly. Anyway, I, daughter of Inziladun, vow this Numenor will return. Um, and this is where I really think that Lloyd Owen just is acting circles around anybody with long hair, uh, looking like a scruffy man. Uh, just like phenomenal scene from him. I really uh, enjoyed his reaction to that. Like, oh god, I've lost my son. I've lost my wife. Uh, my son's friend is dead. My people are basically in the midst of a pseudo civil war, but thought of the mind kind of stuff. Um, and also, Halbrand's alive. Uh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should also point out that like Elendil is bitter against Galadriel for oh yeah that too what he, that too what he thinks is the death of his son, but we know his son's not dead, so there's no tension in that storyline at all. Like, um, but yeah, you know that's. That's a thing that's happening. Yep. It's a thing that's happening. Things are, yep. here's what I will say. Things are happening, David. It's very accurately said, Don. What yeah. nicely put. Thank uh, you. Okay. And as you point out, Halbrand's alive and he needs elvish medicine. So they're going to bring him back to Lindon. Um, so he and Galadriel, you know, he's like clearly wounded, uh, but he and Galadriel, they gallop off into the distance, heading to Lindon. And everyone's like, hey, the, you know, strength to the king. This guy strength we just met 10 Southlands. minutes ago. We, yeah. we met this guy 20 minutes ago, and now we want him to be okay. And hopefully everything, it's going to be smooth sailing for uh, Halbrand from this point forward. Okay. You had said that this episode confirmed for you that Halbrand is Sauron, the theory. Like, why? Yeah. And something towards the end of the episode. Are you able to say without spoiling? Or There is a potential spoiler. I need to think about it. Hang on. Yeah. Yep. Might be a book spoiler. Yes. <laughs> um, it is a spoiler. Uh-huh. I am going to try and do my best. Uh-huh. I'm going to hark back to the beginning of the episode in that Adam laid out a brilliant brilliant argument yeah and something that happens at the end of the episode uh confirms it for me and i can't say more than that i'm okay, sorry okay. i don't want to no, spoil no worries. it no worries but but suffice to say like at this point you are now certain that halbrand is all right I wouldn't say certain. I would say here's here's what I will say. Uh, I made a bet with a couple of friends of mine that if Halbrand isn't Sauron, I would change my name on TikTok to Don Marshill because uh, people have been calling me Shills because I enjoyed this show so much. But um, <laughs> I am now I am now certain enough to say that there's no way I'm changing my name. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, if you, if you if you think Don Marshall's a shill. Just listen to this podcast. Yeah, seriously, I this think, episode I think, especially. I think Don has been very reasonable about his 
praise and his criticism coming from a book reader perspective. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you, you are now, you are now sure of it. And it's like, okay, well, I am, I I don't think we need to re rehash what we said at the beginning of the episode, which is again, just pointing to the, the trade-off you have between, um, surprising people and, uh, getting them more attached to the character and what they're doing. Like we can't really relate to Halburn right now. Cause we don't know what he's going through. We don't know what his inner life mm-hmm. is because we don't mm-hmm. know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he is Sauron, I guess we can, we can start putting the pieces to that together next episode. I, the big question for me is, are they going to reveal it next episode? Right. Uh, it probably uh, would again, be a, there's... probably would be a decent kind of end of season one reveal. Yeah. I will it would. be, I will be pretty, surprised if they don't reveal who the stranger and Halbrand are by the end of next episode. I I, I I, think more, more so for the stranger because the stranger is an explicit mystery that's been set up for the, for the whole season in this, uh, in you, we have no reason to believe if you're just a show watcher and you're uh, dense, such as myself, that Halbrand is Sauron. (laughs) So like if they don't reveal that Halbrand is Sauron, then it's like, okay, that's, that's fair game. They might want to save that for later. But I do think that it will be pretty not cool to not reveal who the stranger is by the end of the season. That that will completely exhaust my patience with the show, I think. If that's yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And and like you said, David, you, when we first started this podcast, said, I want there to be payoff for each season and each season to sort of have uh, a story. <laughs> I really hope we at least get that for the stranger. I can't yes. guarantee it for any of the other I, I, characters. 100%, 100%. I, I'm not assuming it for anything else at this point, but like, I feel like the the one mystery that they have to pay off is the stranger, or yeah. else they're kind of like, I don't know. I guess there have been shows that like, you know, like Lost, for instance, or things like that, where they're, they set up a mystery and they don't solve it by the end of the first season. Like that, that stuff definitely does happen. But did did people uh, enjoy the ending of Lost? I I seem to remember there being like a <laughs> Sopranos level confusion for the ending. Of I think Lost. it is it is a highly polarizing ending. I think people initially didn't, but have since looked back on it uh, with more positivity. But okay. I'm just talking about like. I'm trying to think of an example where like at the in the first episode of a show or the second mm-hmm. episode of a show, you set up like, hey, who is this person? And then by the end of the first season, we didn't find out who that person was. Like, I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, don't, like I don't. I don't. Again, I want to be re- reiterate. I don't think the show has done that for Halbrand. I don't think the show has been like, hey, who is this Halbrand guy? I, no, I don't think no. it's done that. Um, no. You and I and. I mean, me coming late to the party and everyone else on the internet <laughs> has been right. has been uh, has been curious about who Halbrand is. But um, yeah, so we'll see. Now, okay, that, that, I guess that segues us to the next topic, which is before as we close out here today, which is what are we hoping we're going to see by the end of this season? We have one episode left, Don Marshall, um, and obviously we just talked about okay, they better resolve the stranger thing to some mm-hmm. degree. Yep. Uh. Anything else that you are hoping for for next episode? I wish we had three more episodes because, or I also wish that season one would have ended as episode six ended. Right. And then during the off season, they could have actually decided to have the courage of their convictions and kill off some major characters. Um, But yes. Why, why do you wish that? Why, why, why is that? 
I think I think ending on a, a sort of bombastic, no pun intended, ending like the eruption of Mount Doom would have been a very strong way right. to end it. I mean, look at look at the hype that was around the last episode. It was uh, mostly positive. There was a lot yeah. of uh, talk about the show in general. Um, and I don't know how they're going to end it. I yeah. think we will get we will see who the stranger is. We will probably find god this is gonna seem really harsh i'm trying to again i'm trying to temper my expectations i don't know what's gonna happen next and to be perfectly honest i don't necessarily care to wonder what happens i think i'm just along for the ride right now that is not to say i will stop watching the show or i think it's bad i am still quite enjoying it but i think after this episode i'm like okay we're in this for a long time because it's not like the crazy season one finale. Like, Oh my God, did you see that? You have to watch it. The, but this is, this is very much a, I don't see what twist they could pull to make the ending be as exciting as episode six and not necessarily that they even need to like that. It could yeah. just be sort of like the ending of the two towers where it's very ominous and Frodo and Sam are still walking to mortar. It's like the, that music comes in. It's all very eerie and spooky. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like that's how we're going to get the ending of this season. And again, I give it to the, the, the show. They're making bold choices. I just happen to disagree with a few of them. All right. Here's my prediction. I think we're going to figure out who the stranger is next week. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to save the Sauron, uh, Halbrand to Sauron thing. I think there's a at least 50% chance that that reveal happens next week and that it is the reveal that closes out the season. Um, yeah. I think that what my sense is that the showrunners are like, ooh, like no, no one's going to, we're going to put in all these hints, but that like the vast majority of the audience is going to be stunned. And so they're going to save it for the very, like literally the last two minutes of the episode is going to be Halbrand is Sauron. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my God. What an, what an amazing, what a shock that we never saw coming. You know, like, I think that's kind of the yeah. hope that they're the, the reaction that they're hoping for mm-hmm. next episode. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Harfoots. The, the thing is, this is a weird episode. Usually, it's very normal for an episode to have a bi- uh, season to have a big event, and then like there be a denouement episode. Yeah. Um, but this episode was really, it's weird because you just don't know where where like what's going to happen with the Harfoots. What's going to happen with the Durin Elrond thing that might be satisfying? You know, like un- unclear. I I don't know. I I feel like we're probably going to leave those stories in media res. Although yeah. we will find out who the strangers are. So like there's going to be some resolution to Harfoots, but, and probably my guess is for the Elrond Durin storyline, um, they will have either figured out a way to get the Mithril or have some path back to it. Yeah. Um, by the end of next episode. That's my, yeah. that's, that's my, guess. so those are my calls. I'm calling him right now. I'm just being like, mm, uh, okay, mm, like, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Know, and we'll see next episode if I'm right. Of course, I thought Halbrand was a normal dude. So like, uh, <laughs> you should not listen to anything I have to say. David, you're a podcaster. That's the worst thing you could have possibly said in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Decoding TV. More episodes can be found at podcast.decodingtv.com. Uh, email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Follow us, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, at Decoding TV. He is Don Marshall. I am David Chen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week for the season finale of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 